We here on the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast go over lots of different topics from present, past, and of course, future bookings on this show. We've not delved into the art of women's wrestling that much. Not that we don't care about it, because we do, and we love it. And especially the last five to ten years of women's wrestling has, shall we say, evolved. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking the best matches, the best women's matches of the last decade with special guest on the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. You know, Jorge and I have done several of these episodes, and week after week, we try and find spots to do specific topics. And I don't want to say this one's been delayed or pushed back, but we wanted to make sure that not only it was good timing for this show, but that essentially we had some experts on this topic. And I do mean that because on this show, We've got a very cool guest that I'm going to introduce here in just a second. But again, our WWE Best Women's Matches of the Last 10 Years. And boy, do we have some doozies on this show. Double Turn Podcast coming at you. The J-Man, and of course, I am Boss Ross. J-Man, how are you this evening, brother? Hey, I am doing absolutely lovely. It is middle of October, which means several things in my life, which I'm really not going to delve into this evening because it's just, it doesn't take precedent over the fact that we've got somebody really special on the show tonight. But I'm doing great, man. It's good to see you. Indeed. So the Double Turn Podcast, we've been doing this for uh, well over two years now. And uh, well, through the pandemic that's going on and through a lot of other uh, just changes that are going on not only in our lives but in our wrestling watching lives uh we do like to have collaborations guests different things that are going on of course we do pay attention to the present topics we're still covering every wwe pay-per-view regardless if uh, jorge and i actually want to watch the show we have not missed a show since SummerSlam 2018 uh, that was our that was our debut show was the review of that show, uh, and so we do keep up with the current product. I still have no idea why Retribution was drafted to Raw, or whatever the case may be. That's another topic for another time. Plus, it's only going to upset me. So um, we we may delve into uh, the PWI top ten that was released. What was it today? This morning. This morning. This morning. Okay. Uh, several people that are on that list are in matches that we're going to talk about tonight. The uh, the three matches that we're going to talk about tonight, and then I promise we will introduce our guests. The three matches that we chose, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn from 2015. You all know what match we're talking about. Stasha Banks and Bayley for the NXT Women's Championship. The WrestleMania 32 triple threat between Sasha and... And, of course, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. And the Royal Rumble opener between Asuka and Becky Lynch. Yes. So we picked some doozies here tonight. But before we go any further, I didn't want to drag it out too far because we are very excited to introduce our next guest. And I'm going to let Jorge introduce our guest. 
All righty. Well, thank you, Rastafarian. I greatly appreciate the, uh, the, the handoff. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my honor and privilege to go ahead and um, bring this person on. Uh, we've been basically working on this, no joke, for about six or seven months. But we got Matt from Wrestling With, Res with Respect, the whiskey obsessor himself, and he's already got his whiskey glass with him this evening. Him and his lovely wife, Jenny, who will hopefully be making a cameo with us a little bit later on throughout the show, will be coming on. But, dude, welcome to the Double Turn Podcast. A privilege to have you on, my brother. My God. A privilege to be on, gentlemen. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. Uh, and can't wait to talk about these matches. Very, very excited. Yeah, these so, matches Matt, are a couple of bangers, man. So, Matt... Oh, yeah. uh, Tell us a little bit, not only about yourself, uh, but what you do uh, with with your show and with uh, just just basically what what you're doing here, essentially. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, and honestly, you know, myself, a 30 year wrestling fan, going on 30 years, um, you know, back from the golden age of the late 80s up through the Attitude Era, ruthless aggression, you name it. I've seen everything from then till now. And just been a huge fan and, you know, critic, a big critic of the business as well. Uh, not just WWE, but WCW, you know, Impact, you name it, everything. And, um, you know, we saw the landscape with, you know, the internet wrestling community and my wife and I, Jenny, who, like you said, hopefully will pop on later, decided to discuss a passion of ours, record it, uh, which is women's wrestling, which Ross, you said last five years, amazing growth. It has changed so much, which I'm sure we'll get into. We wanted to put our words into a mic uh, and get it out there to people uh, covering some of the big figures from women's wrestling's history, some of the big matches, pay-per-views, you name it. And uh, that became wrestling with respect. It was just our um, owed to everything that they've gone through, everything that these women have gone through to gain the respect uh, to where they are now. So, I mean, that's basically what we wanted to do with this, with this podcast. So as we always do when we bring on uh, guests, which we've collaborated with several different podcasts, uh, tell everybody where they can find your show. Just basically plug yourself. We're, we're allowing you that form to do so. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, you can find us obviously on Instagram. We are at Wrestling With Respect to listen to our show. Uh, we are on iTunes. We are on Spotify. Uh, Captivate. You can stream all of our shows on Captivate.fm. Uh, we are part of the Spirit of Rock Podcast Network, which we have about a half a dozen shows. Uh, I'm on a couple of other ones as well, uh, but you can stream them there. Uh, you know, we are all, all of the, we don't do as much as we'd like to now, different circumstances, but uh, we try to keep a presence uh, on social media and uh, yeah, that's about it. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, again, we are, are uh, I will, I will speak freely for Jorge when I say this, and that is um, when we're talking about women's wrestling, I mean, obviously, if you are a wrestling fan and you appreciate the art and you appreciate what has gone on, specifically in the last five to ten years, um, you can't deny the fact that some of the best wrestling we've had has come out of either the women's revolution, evolution, or just some of the performers that have come across in the last five to ten years. And I know that before we started the show, uh, we were talking about how much just really elite talent has come out in the last five to ten years and how there's even some talent 
uh, that simply may, maybe just was in the wrong era. I mean, we were talking about people like Beth Phoenix and Gail Kim, and I'm sure there's a litany of other people. Medusa didn't really met, wrestle a lot of uh, women that were at her level. Again, we could you could probably give me a whole list of uh, of, of women that essentially – if they were wrestling now with a lot of the talent that's going on, uh, maybe there would be a bigger appreciation for them. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I agree. There were some outliers in previous years, pre- previous eras. You touched on a few. Um, funny you mentioned Medusa because that was one I always went back to because I feel like um, she was a lot like Owen Hart where she was way ahead of her time and sort of the people that she was in the ring with couldn't keep up with her. Um, and I don't think the fans at that time understood the style that she was working, you know, whether it was in WWE or New Japan or wherever she was, WCW. Um, but I, yeah, I totally agree with you. And, you know, you, you want to kind of have fit fantasy book in your head. Um, some of these women that were sort of out of their era with some of the current talent now, and you can kind of have a field day with that, which we've done before. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Jorge, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, step on you here but it's just it's just a matter of um there's just there's just so many there's so many missed opportunities um by the way if you ever if you ever want to talk wcw 2000 or impact 2006 i'm your guy because like i love i love those two no seriously i love (laughs) them both for very very weird reasons but i love them like i'm the guy that will go back and watch wcw nitros from 2000 just for giggles because of how he's, absolute car crash it was. He's, he's currently guy. doing that right now. Yeah. Actually, no joke, he's doing that right now. The funny thing was he just went on a marathon of six months finishing up the entirety of WCW from 96 to 01. He finished it in July. Matt, I went on to – because him and I share the network together and whatnot. He hooked it up because I hooked it up previously. He's re-watching WCW 2000 right now. Right now. It's on the continue watching list. I'm with you from 96 to 99, but I don't, I don't know about 2000. Well, <laughs> basically, all I did was I started from when Hogan turned heel in 96 gotcha. yep. and watched through the final Nitro. What a ride that was, let me tell you. So, sorry, I didn't mean to get off on a tangent. You just no, mentioned WCW and okay. Impact, and I'm actually a fan of uh, both of those products at one time. Impact's making a comeback, and they've got some really talented ladies in that, that division, too, that you not ever talked about. Um, some of them may actually be on their way to WWE and maybe even AEW. Um, they've got to be they've got to be careful with who they sign, but um, really talented, underrated division going on in Impact Wrestling. Would you agree? I would wholeheartedly agree, especially their current women's champion right now. Uh, oh. WWE completely just dropped the ball on. Um, I don't know how you you miss on a talent like Deanna Perrazzo, but uh, I, I was saying it from day one with her. Uh, she grew up in a town not far from where I grew up. Uh, so I kind of followed her career from the beginning and she's making me crow right now. Cause she looks absolutely fantastic. It, Again. It's just one of those situations that she got lost in the shuffle. I don't mean to interrupt you Ross, it was, but it, oh, you're she, good. she legitimately got lost in the shuffle and shout out to her because even by getting lost in the shuffle, she was still, a, she appeared on like three Monday night raws, like uh, where she was getting squashed, of course, unfortunately, but uh, you know, she was getting love, man. The fans were like, oh, my gosh, that's Deanna Perrazzo. All the NXT peeps that are watching in the background. You know, she was in the ring with Asuka. 
she was in the ring with a couple of other people where you're like, I, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't she in the ring with Charlotte at one point earlier this year? Pretty what? sure that she was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, snap. And it was unfortunate that she was one of the people that got lost in the shuffle and was released during, you know, during the, the two weeks after WrestleMania, during the whole COVID, um, the, co- I, the COVID releases, if you will, because that made it seem like WWE was saying we need to save money and blah, blah, blah. But it was, it was their spring cleaning, really. But yeah, but shout out to her for making it happen in freaking Impact right now. She Absolutely. really is killing and, it right and you, now. You saw what they thought of her, man. They put the bell on her right away. Right away. Not, no question. Literally, first her pay-per-view. first pay-per-view match. Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah. Right away. Pretty impressive stuff. Uh, I mean, look, when you when you have the depth of talent that you have, and look, I, I'm sure we could say this just in wrestling in general, it is better when you have multiple places for people to go work. Because if this was 2001 and Deanna Prazo gets cut, she's not working. That's that's the reality. So I'm just glad that there's an impact, an AEW, an ROH, even though it's even though that's been slightly diminished. NWA. Uh, there's also New Japan. There's 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 lots of places to work. So guess what? If it doesn't work in WWE or it doesn't work in AEW, a lot of these people. You can go work in Mexico. There are people that worked in Mexico for a decade. There are people that are still working in Mexico. Uh, who's the guy that worked in WCW that then went to WWE? Um, his name is escaping me. Oh, I'm going to have to think of it again. Oh, Mark Jindrak. That guy made oh, yeah. a huge career in Mexico. Of basically just being a heel American character. There yeah. are places to work. I don't mean yeah, to go on a tangent. Yeah. Yes, exactly. King Velasquez got started in Mexico. He didn't start in WWE. He got noticed by WWE because they were like, hey, wasn't that guy an ultimate fighting champion? Isn't that a former UFC heavyweight champion? Didn't he beat the crap out of Brock Lesnar? He's a wrestler now? Yeah, we're bringing him on in. Yeah. Yes. So uh, you'll get used to tangents on this show, Matt. I, I, I do apologize, but we do love talking our wrestling and random things on this show. That's fine. We are, we are talking uh, – Three of the best women's matches of the last decade. Uh, and the three that we picked, we're going to start with a real banger, gentlemen. And that is NXT TakeOver Brooklyn from 2015 from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Attendance of just under 16,000. And uh, they got to see what was billed as a co-main event of that show of Sasha Banks defending her NXT Women's Championship against Bayley. And, Jorge, I'm going to start with you because I think we all have a lot to say about this match. But, boy, howdy. I rewatched it today in preparation of this show. I knew I loved it when I first saw it. Man, what a match this was. Uh, it's, it, it holds, and now of course it's five years old, right? So if it didn't hold up, we'd have an issue, but let me be very, very clear. It, you could almost make the case that the women's evolution or revolution, whatever you want to call it, almost peaked in Brooklyn last night because it was so, so mesmerizingly good. Now I, I have to point this out because while he's kind of the biggest journalist in the game, although I like to consider Ugo Savinovich the best journalist in the game, but that's not the point. My point is Dave Meltzer did give this match four and a half stars. Um, 
I know we haven't even started discussing this match, but I'm pretty sure that's the highest rated WWE women's match of the last five years. Uh, because, I mean, of course, there's a couple others that got rated four and a half. I know that the TLC match between Becky and Charlotte and Oscar got rated four and a half. And um, I'm pretty sure Becky and Sasha got a four and a half out of their Hell in a Cell match last October or maybe four and a quarter. Um, but, I mean, holy smokes, was this match – the, the word banger is going to get used so much tonight. And I got to <laughs> – I got to find a different word to use because I feel like it's going to annoy the audience, but audience, please understand if you are into women's wrestling and you have never had the blessing of watching Sasha Banks versus Bailey one. And by the way, their rematch really good too. watch the rematch at respect. Cause that 30 minute Ironman match was also very, very good, but man, I'll tell you this right now. The ending to that match is probably the best ending I've ever seen to a women's match of all time. No joke, I'm not exaggerating. That reverse hurricanrana was insane. So, let's get started. The whole reason why this got started was because throughout 2014-2015, the NXT women's division was a couple of different people. Um, Paige, right before she got called up to the main roster, she was kind of the, the, the gold standard, if you will. You had Emma, who was absolutely incredible. You had... Really, really interestingly enough, you had Natalia, but not because she needed to be there, but she was there helping out the, the, the ladies back in the day. You know, she was helping out Charlotte, Sasha, Beck. Uh, Becky wasn't quite there, but she was helping out Bailey. She helped out Paige, obviously. She helped out Emma. Summer Rae was on that, was on that NXT squad. There was a lot of names that in 2014, 2015 were NXT girls. And so... Um, I believe that the NXT championship was created. They held a tournament. Page one, she was the inaugural women's champion. She left, got drafted to Raw, and she beat AJ Lee, as we know. She beat her the night after WrestleMania 30 in an incredible uh, moment, of course. And then they held another tournament to hold, to basically uh, crown the next NXT women's champion. And I believe in that final, it was Charlotte versus Natalia. Charlotte became the NXT Women's Champion. She held it for, I don't know, about five, about four or five months right around there. She held it for a good chunk of time. And she lost it in a, I want to say a triple threat or was it a fatal four-way? It was a fatal four-way. That's right. Because it was, it was Charlotte. It was Sasha. It was Bailey, And I want to say it was Becky. So it was the original fatal four-way of those two, four ladies back when they were super young, right? I think Becky Lynch had just barely been signed for a couple of months. So anyways, Sasha Banks becomes the brand new NXT women's champion. And now during this time, Charlotte and, and, and Sasha, they were in a group. They were in a crew. Sasha turned heel. Charlotte was still the baby face, although this was already starting to turn around on Charlotte because people were realizing they're really pushing Charlotte to the moon. And it, it, it was the Roman Reigns treatment. Charlotte was getting the Roman Reigns treatment right around just prior to Roman finally getting it in a year, right? So Sasha becomes the women's champion. Bailey is left out in the cold. You get NXT Unstoppable, which is also another one. I love that match. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, NXT TakeOver Unstoppable. That was Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks back in 2015. And I voted for that match to be on this podcast. And unfortunately, 
I made the decision to keep it out because I don't think many people know about that match, but it's a classic. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all I got to say. Solid, about solid choice. Such a great match. Yeah. Um, Sa- Sasha wins. She retains. And so Bailey, and, and during this time, I have to give the backstory, but Bailey is essentially kind of growing into her own, and she's trying to go ahead and get on the same level that Sasha's on and that Charlotte's on and that Becky at the time, even though when we really look at the background of NXT, it was Becky who was really the, lo- the bottom end of the totem pole. It was never Bailey. But, you know, Bailey was the John Cena type character, right? She was the go getter. She was the go lucky baby face. And the crowd was super all with her the entire way through. And that's fine. So Bailey had to beat, um, she beat, she beat Becky. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe she beat her to officially become the number one contender to the NXT Women's Championship. Prior to that, she had, she had to beat Charlotte. And she was, she was doing the same thing that Sami Zayn was trying to do throughout that time, where he was going through Cesaro and he was going through Neville and then finally, you know, winning the NXT men's title. So that was the same trajectory that they were doing with Bailey. Bailey wins the number one contendership and then they have this five-week buildup to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Now, here's the kicker about NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, ladies and gentlemen. This was the first ever NXT TakeOver that took place in an actual big arena that wasn't the performance center or it wasn't um, like little places, not necessarily Daly's place, obviously, but like they held them in like full, like 1000 seat theaters uh, is where they were holding the NXT takeovers and whatnot. So this was a really big deal. And for them to get 15,000 packed into Brooklyn for an NXT takeover in 2015, this was huge. This was huge for them. And then you add the fact that at this point in time, you had seen about eight or nine months worth of a growth that we had never experienced in the women's uh, in the women's division ever. Like, yeah, we had we had Trish and we had Lita, and obviously we had Alundra Blaze slash Medusa, and you had Jacqueline. But with all due respect to those ladies, we had never seen anything like this before, in particular the four horsewomen. And then you add in the other names that I mentioned at the beginning except for Summer Rae, although shout out to Summer Rae, she's cool. No, no disrespect to her. But, you know, she, she ain't the four horsemen. We just know that. So anyways, we reach Brooklyn, and this match co-main evented. Honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys right now, that match could have main evented. That, that match probably should have main evented. And lucky enough, they main evented the very next paper, or the very next takeover. Takeover, respect, they ended up main eventing. Go ahead, Ross. As per always, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, I'm I, I, I'm not going to say Balor and Owens was a bad match. Plus, no, I don't wasn't. know if anybody expected. Again, no disrespect to the two ladies. I don't know if anybody expected the match that, that we got out of Takeover Brooklyn. So we they didn't. Yeah. So let's bring on our guest here, Matt. Your thoughts on uh, this match from TakeOver Brooklyn in 2015. What'd you think of the match? What'd you think of the buildup? Actually, just your, just your overall thoughts. Uh, buildup, typical NXT, taking their time to tell great stories. I mean, it, it's in the DNA. You say what you will about the last, you know, the COVID era NXT. This is true NXT where they take the time to build the stories. They make you care about the matches. You know, for me, if someone came to me who's not a wrestling fan and said, give me five matches that could sell me on professional wrestling, this is one that I would go to, one of the top ones I would go to. 
you have two characters here, obviously very different characters, but two characters that you can relate to, two characters who are very, very different at this time. Uh, you got the cocky Sasha Banks. Um, you have Bailey, who's the, as, as Jorge, you said, the ultimate babyface, John Cena-esque babyface. And you break down this match and you have everything you want in a wrestling match. You got the in-ring psych. Uh, you got Sasha talking crap to Bailey the entire match. You got the crowd on the edge of their seat. Hot crowd. Chants back and forth. Uh, you got Sasha working on the body part. Classic heel stuff. Uh, you got big spots. You got false finishes. You got trading the finisher. Both of them did it. Everything that you want in a wrestling match to build to a crescendo. And what I found amazing, actually, about this match, and just seeing this in retrospect, going back to where we are now with women's wrestling and looking back, the amount of times they use the term diva in this match, which I, it made me chuckle a little bit, because you, you look at these two women, and that, that term doesn't cross your mind when you're talking about Sasha Banks and Bailey, you know? Um, and I thought it is still the... It is still the standard bearer. It is still the women's match that you point to as the turning point in history of the last five years, the last 10 years, all time, whatever you want to say. But as far as a prototypical wrestling match, trying to sell this sport to a non-fan, this is one that you have to point to, definitely. All right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, before we carry on, we, we finally get the cameo. And, and hopefully it's longer than just a cameo. So, ladies and gentlemen, let us introduce really quickly. Actually, I'll let Matt do it because it's, it's his forever love. So, go ahead. Bring, br- br- introduce her to, to, to the TDT audience. So, I was, as I was saying about Sasha and Bailey. Anyway. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say forever uh, love? <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, my lovely co-host of Wrestling with Respect. Uh, also part of the Spirit of Rock Podcast Network, Jenny at Rumder Woman. What's up? Hey, what's up, everybody? Hi. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on, Jenny. Um, I, it, and now I feel like the show is really complete because we've got everybody on. That's right. I complete. Um, the, I completed the circle, you guys. Yeah, this is awesome. So for those of you who don't know, and I, I don't want to go ahead and put this out too much, but Jenny is um, a mom of two. Um, and first of all, congrats, congratulations to the I, I forgot to congratulate you on the damn podcast. Damn it. Congratulations That's to both of you. You That's guys fun. got a, a, an eight week old at home. Shout out to you guys. Thank uh, you. Killing it. And so she, th- the reason why we were, we weren't sure what to expect guys is because well, she's hanging out with said eight week old. So for her to be able to take some time out of her evening is really, really cool. So Ross, if you don't mind me kind of divvying it over to Jenny for a second, Jenny, we're talking Sasha and Bailey in Brooklyn. Um, Matt was kind enough to give us some of his thoughts. What, what are your, some of your thoughts and where does, what, okay, first of all, you as a woman, this is, you're the first ever woman that we've ever had on, on as a guest, um, on the show. Oh my, oh my God, I feel honored. It's kind of a big deal. So (laughs) I guess it's a different viewpoint. When you saw this five years ago and you may or may not have been, well, it sounds like you definitely were a wrestling fan back in the day. Like Mm -hmm. how did this make you feel? And what did you feel was the difference from Sasha and Bailey doing that to anything that had happened maybe like 10 to 15 years prior? Because we had just seen Lita and Trish do something similar. Uh, it would have been 11 years prior. So um, Lita and Trish, 
are probably two of my faves. Just we get that out of the way. But um, Sasha and Bailey, man, what an amazing thing to see them both um, on the ring, spotlighting the women, just proving like there's more to them than than TNA and just like sideshows, escorts, um, just bringing it. And I, I love how at the end they broke kayfabe. They all hugged at the end, the four horse women. That gives me chills every time I watch it. It's like they know what they just did. They, they know and they felt it. And the crowd, which by the way, rewatching wrestling with the crowd just blew my mind. I'm like, oh no, they're hugging. Stop. <laughs> Don't do that. Wash your hands. But, um, you're watching watching them at the end the the show the performance in and of itself was picture perfect it was awesome the spots were were wonderfully done thoughtfully done um the girls the energy it was there we felt it sasha bailey's uh sasha bailey sasha banks's entrance coming out in the big escalade with her big henchman was sick she came out like a like a legit boss but that moment at the end gives me goosebumps to this day when I watch all four of them, just Becky and Charlotte rushing up on, onto the, into the ring and just hugging each other. Like we fucking, Oh, excuse me. We, we did this. <laughs> Sorry. We crystal on Mars. We did this. Uh, this is what we wanted to do. We set our minds to do it. And they knew that they were changing the, uh, the landscape of, of the women's division right there. I think everybody knew it at that point. We do love, uh, I, look, we, we brought both of you on this show because you do bring a unique perspective, and that, that that's such great analysis just because, again, you can watch any wrestling match from a particular lens, but just, just to kind of break that down and just be like, hey, they did something that night, and they did. And, let me, and again, um, this is one of those matches that I always look for, and that is they told a complete story from the entrance to the three count and that mm -hmm. and that unfortunately is such a rarity even in the up-tempo style and just the change that's happened in all of wrestling in the last five years of just how wrestling is presented mm -hmm. and so not only did that showcase nxt it showcased what the takeovers were going to be um i won't I won't criticize the NXT crowd as much as I normally would because typically I have an issue with the fact that they try to just get stuff over because they want to get it over. This match did not need that because yeah. it was such a complete show of a match. Just that match in itself told the full story you needed to know. And by the way, you could have popped this in knowing nothing about the story and that match from the entrance to the three count yeah, ingratiates you fully into that entire storyline. And then you can get peppered in with all the details, which by the way, Jorge laid out very beautifully. He is the guy that basically has the mind. He, he, he just remembers everything. So that was expertly laid out. And so even if you knew none of that, this is a perfect example of a match that I can go back or anybody can go back and simply go, that's a match you should watch. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and Matt, Matt said it perfectly, and that is, if you want to showcase wrestling to somebody completely new, this is absolutely a match you should get them to watch because mm -hmm. it tells a great story. 
There's a clear baby face and heel. There's good pacing. There's good dynamics. There's good psychology. There's good everything. Yeah. Because even because even the little nuances that happen in the match, you're like, okay, maybe that wasn't as crisp. You don't think about it because you're so you're so just you're just so into it the whole time. Yeah. You just you just can't stop what you're doing. So there was um, a moment in the match that to this day, five years, it's been five years of th- that this match happened, right? The original match happened that I still don't know whether or not it was a botch or if it was actually part of the story because it was. There's a moment where Bailey tries to go for a front hurricanrana from the top rope, right? Because obviously we know how the match ends. It's a reverse hurricanrana and it's amazing, right? But the the front hurricanrana, she goes for it and. She looks like she slips off of Sasha's shoulder and she lands. Ooh, it scares me to this day because, again, yes, I don't sir. know whether or not it was meant to happen. And I, and I almost want to say it probably wasn't meant to, but she lands shoulder and neck first. And by the way, shout out to Bailey because um, you look at Bailey, I'm pretty sure she's maybe just a tad bit smaller than Charlotte. But I, I mentioned this because she's definitely one of the uh, bigger, more stout of stature um uh, women in the in the women's division she's been for a while she's always been she had more meat on her bones she's got good broad shoulders on her so clearly whatever she was doing helped her out but that i have to mention that because i still don't care about that moment because everything else around it is so amazing yeah even i'm not even it I'll put it to you this way. The match is so good, I don't care that the crowd was chanting, Sasha's pregnant, no, she's not. And that's been a thing that's been pissing me off <laughs> for five years. what they were years. saying? Yeah. I heard, I heard, no, she's not. But in my head, like, what, what are they, what is that first? They, oh, they did that. Right. They did that for the Becky and Sasha match, like, two months prior to. And right. I just, it was the dumbest chant I've ever heard. Because I'm like, why would you, why would you, <laughs> you say that? Why is it even, <laughs> First of all, why would you say that? Why would that? Second of all, why is that even detrimental? I don't know. Like it's so stupid. <laughs> Honestly, rewatching it for like the fifth time, I think that that was supposed to be the spot. I think she just fell fell wrong. I honestly think she did, and almost okay. ended up breaking her neck. Yeah. Well, you know what? Even even if it was supposed to be the spot, it it's so played into foreshadowing for later in the match that yes. whether it was whether it was on purpose or they or it was just a screw up. It actually makes the story even better. It, it does. And to be honest with you, the, the reverse hurricanrana is even better. Like, mm-hmm. the, I'm glad that she missed that hurricanrana because when she did the reverse, it looked, it, it's, at first, it, it scares the crap out of it. Yeah. She, she almost kills Sasha, but like, it was so great. It was awesome. <laughs> so, any more, any more closing thoughts before we move on to our second match? Any more closing thoughts here on the uh, TakeOver Brooklyn from 2015? Matches a banger. Watch it. Watch okay. it forever. Yeah. Watch it. <laughs> Fair enough. It was definitely fun up. to watch again. It was definitely it, fun to watch again. And 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 it's and it's one of those matches that uh, has lots of replayability. And I can't mm-hmm. say that about a lot. Like there are some great matches that I really I'm like I'm good watching it one more time. But this match I can watch over and over again because of how well it was done. So. WrestleMania 32, which I was at live in in the AT&T Center in Arlington, Texas. Big D, Dallas-Fort Worth. uh, I hate their freeway system, but that was about the only thing I hated about that entire weekend. 
I feel like I would get lost, and I live in Phoenix, and there's tons of freeways here, but I, I couldn't imagine Dallas-Fort Worth. But, uh, yes, WrestleMania 32, kind of a polarizing show uh, on a lot of different fronts, but the match that we are talking about, well, there's a lot of different uh, historical things just surrounding it and leading up to it, and, of course, what happened after the match. Um, it was the triple threat match to crown the inaugural. WWE Women's Championship between Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, and Sasha Banks. Now, I will give a quick overview, and of course, if anybody wants to add substance to it, they are more than welcome to, as we have Matt and Jenny from Wrestling With Respect on our Uh show. And so, uh, there was a belt. It was called the Divas title, or the Divas Championship, or whatever you want to call it. There was a big, pretty pink butterfly on the front of it. And leading up to this show, the WWE decided, we're going to retire that belt, and we're going to bring the women's division back. And, of course, we've got, well, three ladies that are helping revolutionize women's wrestling. Three of many, by the way. It wasn't just the four horsewomen or any one of these three in general. This was an entire group of talent and a group of talent that had been leading up to this moment of the past five and ten years. We had talked about that earlier about some of the women uh, that unfortunately were wrestling in the wrong time period. Mm -hmm. Uh, People like Beth Phoenix and Gail Kim and the Medusas of the world that if they were wrestling today. So I say that to lead up, and I'm sure there's dozens more that I'm not even discussing. I only mentioned those just for just for context. And so they decided we're going to bring the women's division back and we're going to do it in a big way because we're going to showcase it in Arlington with three of our uh, top talents and we're going to have a triple threat, which means there are inherently no rules. There's no disqualification. The only way you can win is by pinfall or submission. Now triple threats can be tricky because some of the greatest matches of all time are triple threat matches and some of the sloppiest matches in the history of wrestling are triple threat and multi-person matches. I think we can all agree on that. So I think going into this, um, I remember being there live, and I remember this crowd desperately wanting Sasha Banks to win. Uh, It was very weird seeing Becky Lynch back in her steampunk gear because of the gear that she's been wrestling in of the past years. It was very, I don't want to say off-putting, that's not the right word, but it was odd to see her come out in her steampunk gear again. And then, of course, you have Charlotte Flair with uh, the the nature boy, Ric Flair, woo, uh, over there at ringside. Of course, he did play, he he actually did play into the finish. Uh, I I remember watching that at the time because I was sitting way up in that building, uh, which, of course, I was on one of the sides with one of the big screens. So I had a great view of everything anyway. Um, And I just remember this match, there was a lot of hype. There was a lot of anticipation. And then there was a lot of good wrestling. Now, remember, in triple threats, it's tough, though, because you almost have to isolate one person for, like, long stretches of time because three people wrestling each other at the same time in a – thing that's scripted can get eh, let's let's be let's be kind and say hokey at times so Mm -hmm. you have to kind of separate and have it just be one-on-one combat 
So I watched this back and I went, man, Sasha Banks is out of the ring for like half this match. I don't even remember that. And I was there live. And so I, I don't know if that took away from it, but I will say this. Just seeing how these three have grown as just talents in general, it's amazing to see how much these three have changed mm-hmm. and how much these three were put in a really highly regarded position. Again, say what you want about this event as a whole. Um, this match was something this crowd, and I think the WWE Universe was really looking forward to. And as we break down the match here, um, I think up until maybe a couple different points in this match, I think people were really into it. I mean, maybe maybe people have a different perspective that watched it live via the network or, you know, watched it on replay or watched it, you know, days after. But I just remember this match looking to be really important and for the most part delivering. I'll start with Jenny. What did you think of this match? Did you did you enjoy the build up, the hype, and just the match in general? Uh, yes. I I really enjoyed this match. Um the style of wrestling that I enjoy is when something's always going on, where it's constant, something's always happening. I don't like when they're walking around, chasing each other, beating each other really big, and then there's pausing while they're trying to, you know, get each other again. I like a lot of action. So this match was was definitely right up my alley, um, and it rocked, man. It, it rocked. And again, seeing it again with Matt. We're like, oh man, remember that? Seeing Nature Boy and him getting involved. I remember him getting involved a lot with uh, <laughs> there you go, he's Stratton. <laughs> Charlotte's uh, matches. Like pre pre geriatric Nate, you know, yeah. before he was. I mean, he was already geriatric, but you know, before he could yeah. take a hit yeah. back then. Yeah. Or he could still take a bump. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was exciting to watch for sure. A great match, and, and that babe, what was that spot with um where we're like, oh, Bailey almost just died. Oh, Sasha? Oh, with Sasha. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll talk about that. Yeah, that that was crazy. That's a question that I think... Go ahead, go ahead. I I was just going to say, that's a a question that gets thrown out in every single Sasha Banks match, though. What was that moment where Sasha almost died? Every single time. I mean, wow. That was was insane. We rewound that a couple times. Oh my gosh, look at that! How is she not dead? I forgot about that, but it, yeah. it, it might be the best recovery from a botch that I've seen. Oh, my gosh. And made, made it look really good, even yeah. better than what the original spot was going to be. So, uh, Matt, I'll let you describe it, but I assume you're talking about uh, the dive to the outside where Sasha tucks her head at the very last minute and Charlotte yes. catches her yes. and almost, like, cradles her. Yes. And, yes. I, and I think Charlotte was ready. I think I think it was all Sasha – and I think she just instinctly tucked her head at the last she, second. But yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. She had the wherewithal to do the tuck and roll like at the yeah. last second. Where I don't know, it, it didn't seem like she I caught her. I think her leg feet. caught. I don't it didn't seem like she caught her feet on the rope, but it just seemed like maybe she undershot it a little bit. And mm-hmm. she just she did the the tuck and roll in midair just to get that extra foot or two um, you know, into Charlotte, who was, you know, she didn't really have to correct herself on the catch, but mm-hmm. uh, it's fantastic. Well, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. one of those interesting yeah. things because it's not like we've, we've never seen Sasha do that move before. The, I think the, I think what was so different about that is that Sasha usually jumps over the full top rope. She does, and yeah. for her to do the, for her to go basically through the mid rope 
And, and I mean, I, I think all of us know this, that Sasha Banks is definitely one of the more petite women in the entire division. I think the only person that might be smaller than her may have been, I don't know, Alexa Bliss and uh, I don't know, K- Casey Catanzaro potentially, or m- might be yeah, two, Zelina. Like, yeah. Zelina Vega. There you go. Um, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like there's very few people out there that are as athletic, but yet as small as she is in the division. Mm-hmm. And I-, I was pretty shocked that, you know, she, and maybe because I'm pretty sure wasn't the referee next to her in the ring. The referee was next to her. So it wasn't like he was in front of her. Cause I remember when, cause she does the spot in the Brooklyn match with, with Bailey where she does a full ro- rotation over the referee. And I got to yeah. give her props because she, she either had a trampoline right there or she had pogo <laughs> sticks for legs that night. But for whatever reason, she chose to go through the mid, middle mid rope and uh, shout out to Charlotte, you know, for being aware and shout out, you know, obviously they made it work, but it's just one of those things where it's like, Ooh, mm. kind of scary. Uh, it could have been, it, it could have, it could have been because they put her in pants instead of her normal shorts. That's you a know? good point. <laughs> this is true. She yeah. had the Eddie Guerrero tribute going on that night. This is a very yeah. good point. Yeah. So uh, w- one thing I wanted to ask uh, is because we went over the Sasha Banks match from 2015 against Bailey, and now we're seeing her again in here in 2019. Um, how do you think she had mostly evolved as a performer? Do you think there were some positives to take out of this match, how she had grown from 2015, 2019. What were some of the differences uh, that you guys saw as a comparing and contrasting of Sasha Banks, uh, the athlete, the performer, the character uh, between those two, because they are so far apart. Um, well, are you talking about from Brooklyn to Dallas there, Ross? Cause that was about a year. Or are you talking about from, from Sasha to now? Well, specifically that match and then up until now, correct. Oh, okay, okay. Just want to make sure. I, I to me, I, I think we're finally seeing a safer version of Sasha Banks. That's not a, I don't want that to come across as a, as a bad critique, but if you watch a variety of Sasha Banks matches over the last five years, you, you watched in particular the, the Sasha and Charlotte match that happened at SummerSlam in 2016, and you watch – uh, the Ronda Rousey match that happened at the Royal Rumble last year. Um, that was, there have been some matches that I have a hard time that involve Sasha Banks because uh, it's one of those things. Oh, she's so creative. in the because If you look at her and the three other horsewomen, you could actually totally say she's probably the most creative one of the four. Like that's that, I don't think that's really an argument. Um, and she's the big, but the, the other thing is the fact that she's also the biggest risk taker and when you're the biggest risk taker, you all, you know, we all saw what happened with Daniel Bryan and how it took away three years of his career. And I don't ever want that to happen to Sasha Banks. And I'm happy to, to see at least in her evolution for over the last five years that she has kind of restrained herself in a way yet still is able to perform high risk, high flying maneuvers with a certain grace and a certain safeness that makes me feel better about enjoying a Sasha Banks match because that there were times where I couldn't really enjoy a Sasha Banks match to its absolute fullest, especially in a one-on-one match because she may have been doing something just too much for me where I just didn't want to see her get hurt. And because of her size compared to some of the other women in the division, she would, I felt like that was potentially a detriment to her. So, to see that evolution for her now, 
I, I'm pleasantly surprised and I can and now enjoy them much more and I can look back at the matches from over the last three or four years involving Sasha where it's like Sasha never got hurt in that match, thank God, and thankfully she doesn't do something that crazy anymore where she's going to break her neck because that's been the worry for me is her breaking her neck. Yeah, uh, for Matt, me, aside, Jenny, if you want to jump in. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, aside from um, the current feud with, with Sasha and Bailey, which is just uh, phenomenal. I love it. I, and I love how Bailey really embraced her heel character. You can tell that at first she was, you know, she was, you know, hugger, hug Bailey, the Bailey buddies. But, you know, she took that, was it a big machete and just knifed those Bailey buddies. Um, you can tell at first she was not totally comfortable, but she really grew into her heel character, her heel persona, and I just enjoy her so much. But um, aside from this current feud, my favorite uh, Sasha uh, character-wise is was her feud with Charlotte. That was my fave when they did, um, and I think Matt and I touched on this in, in one of our episodes, but... Um, just the image of Sasha Banks uh, giving the bank statement to Charlotte through the uh, through the rails. Babe, what was that? Um, it's so weird that he's not next. The to false me. count anywhere. Thank you. Yeah, the false yeah. count. Anywhere. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that that was awesome, and I, I just love how how her character has always been so strong, um, and she's a a woman who who just knows she knows that she's worth. She she knows that she's a badass with her role and the, she's just killing it. So um, this match to me, uh, this, this match in particular, um, this was, this was a match to show the WWE universe. Okay. You know, we think very highly of Becky, but she's not there yet. Mm -hmm. you know, Sasha's Sasha's definitely in the, you know, upper tier level, but they made it very clear in this match that Charlotte's Queen B. And just the style of this match, and I mentioned it before because I felt like every, like, five minutes, it wasn't them taking turns. It was literally Sasha Banks outside of the ring, like, every five minutes. And so I think what they decided to do in this match, again, this is my opinion, they decided stylistically to say, we're going to do Becky versus Charlotte, we're going to show that Becky is going to be competitive and she's going to get the upper hand, but that clearly of the three of them, they believe in Charlotte. Well, and just listen to the commentary. I mean, just listen to the yeah. commentary and they, they're, they're, you know, plugging the hell out of Charlotte. Oh yeah. The whole oh, match, yeah. man. Oh yeah. And yeah. again, again, they don't. Okay. Actually, let me rephrase that. They do very few things on accident. Okay. Oh, yeah. There are, there are a few things that they begrudgingly decide they go with, a.k.a. Zack Ryder's U.S. title run. Uh, <laughs> but um, lover or hater, which I'm a, I'm a firm supporter of Charlotte Flair, um, I, I happen to think that she is the best female wrestler on the planet. Um, that's, of course, my opinion. There are some people that don't like Charlotte Flair matches, don't like when she's wrestling at all, um, that's, that's their opinion and they're entitled to it and that's fine. Um, I'm also a big fan of this match simply because again, to me in a triple threat match, 
there more often than not it's hard to tell a good story and the only reason i say that is because they kind of have to play cat and mouse when it comes to well we have to do we have to do certain pacing when it comes to this and we have to showcase you know certain matchups that we want but they did a really good job of even though i critique the fact that sasha banks was out of the ring for a lot of points in this match they made her a factor in every single situation in which one of them was just overtly taking advantage of the other one. Sasha would just get in there, do a move, break it up, and we're back to square one. And that's, and that's where I think this match succeeds, is that we get back to square one repeatedly in this match. So even though Charlotte may have the upper hand, you know, Becky might break something up or Sasha might break something up. And to me, we're right back at all three of them being even. I always felt that way up until, to me, it was a haphazard finish. Matt, what were your th- what were your thoughts on the finish of this match? Um, haphazard finish. Um, like, okay. I yeah. Guess, I yeah. Okay. To me, you built this story of Charlotte's going for her submission. Shecky's going for submission. Sasha's going for her submission. Ric Flair literally does nothing at ringside but then he holds back Sasha Banks for three seconds and Becky just taps like to me it just it just didn't fit the pacing of the rest of the match maybe I'm on an island but to me it just was haphazard from the rest of the style of this match uh, maybe when I'm you put wrong it, when, no, when you put it that way it, it did seem a little quick and rushed uh, at the end at least but I, I think that the overall theme or I'd say the overall idea of what they wanted to do at the end of the match was good. Uh, I think w- with Nate being at ringside, he's getting involved some way, not just taking a bump. I think he is going to be involved, especially Charlotte at that time. If you remember Charlotte at that time and her subsequent title reign or title defenses after that, he was always involved in that, in, yeah. in her decisions. Uh, little known match, but her versus Natalia uh, submission match with Bret Hart in Natalia's corner. And then, you know, Ric Flair, and her, he was involved in every finish that she had, every single one. So that I get. Uh, do I agree? It was a little bit neither here nor there. Yeah, I, I would say that. Yeah, it was a quick tap. Um, but uh, I, I think it was the right outcome. Definitely the right outcome. I don't think anybody, I think Charlotte should have won that title. I think Interesting that you say decision. that that's, yeah. I, I apologize. I, I, I would have, because, I, I, all right. For those of you who don't know, wrestling with respect, they love themselves some Sasha Banks. And that is, and I, and I love the fact that they love Sasha Banks. And we, I think everybody who is anybody for the most part loves Sasha Banks. There's so many things to love about Sasha. Her promo skills, her wrestling ability, um, her athleticism is unbelievable. The cockiness of her character. Um, so I, I bring that all up because I'm actually surprised that you, to, to you, well, at least to Matt, I don't know about Jenny, but I'm actually surprised that you thought that Charlotte winning that match was the right call. Because back in 2016, when I watched this match, even though I was a Becky Mark and I was rooting for Becky because I knew she was at the bottom of the totem pole and she was not, she was not Bailey, Sasha, or Charlotte. By the way, I, I look like a genius now. <laughs> but I, I thought <laughs> Sasha was the right call. So I'm I'm surprised that you um, were 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 saying Charlotte was. Did you think the same there, Jenny? Did you think that Charlotte winning this match was the right call? Um, 
at this time I was a huge Charlotte Mark. So I was all about it. Uh, and I love that, you know, Ric Flair got involved, you know, classic thing for him to do. Um, I have his autograph somewhere in the room behind Matt. <laughs> but um, I, I, li I, I liked the ending. I liked they were all kind of tangled up into each other. And then Ric Flair, you know, holds Sasha ba back and then boom, there it is. Um, but yeah, I, I was a huge Charlotte fan at the time. I don't want to say anything bad about her talent because she is freaking talented as hell. Um, just for right now, she... She's been on a break for a while, obviously, but she just kind of just shoved down her throats and shoved down her throats, just given all these title runs for, for no reason, 25-time champ that she is now. But at the time, I was I adored her. I mean, even I think our very first episode, I was like, Charlotte's my girl, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I didn't personally, I, I liked the ending. And okay. at, at the time, at the time, that was the right decision. Uh, at the time, because I don't, I don't think, because it sets up what's to come later. It sets up mm -hmm. Sasha as your babyface, uh, you know, flip flopping the title uh, maybe too many times with Charlotte at the end of that year in 2016. Because you have Falls Count Anywhere, you have Hell in a Cell, you have Last Woman Road Standing, block. you have Road, yeah, you have all these that and that match, dude, the Roadblock match, the Last Woman Standing match, amazing. Um, and there are some people in the community that say, well, it was a little overdone. That's just storytelling, man. That's great stuff. But I think that her winning that title as a heel was the right call at that time. And it sets up everything that comes after that, which sets up the great, which pretty much, you know, writes the great year of 2016. That is women's wrestling into 2017, 2018. And then, you know, 2019 is a different story, but Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly hear that. The only I, I guess I'll tell you this. I remember watching this match and at the when I first saw it in 2016, when I was watching uh, Mania 32 live, I watched it at my house. I I was like, oh, man, that match was OK, because I had seen 2015. Right. I'd seen Sasha Bailey. I'd yeah. seen Sasha Becky. I'd seen uh, the fatal four way between them uh, earlier in the year in 2015. I'd seen. Um, I think we had we seen Bailey. I think we'd seen Bailey and Nia at this point in NXT Takeover London, which is a really. I think that match is certainly underrated. It was when Nia used to know how to wrestle. Um, and wait, that actually happened. Oh right. <laughs> Nia Jax has never been good at wrestling. Go on. The, my point is, like that match at least with Bailey is somewhat watchable and somewhat enjoyable because Bailey is able to portray that great baby face dynamic to Nia's dominant heel antics at the time. But when I watched this match originally, going back to the triple threat, I was like, it was okay. I rewatched it last night and I was like, this match is more than okay. Like this match was legitimately, it was really, really good. Um, like I, I, I th actually, Matt, you and I were messaging about this. I, I, I told you of the two major women triple threats that have happened at a WrestleMania, which is this one. And obviously the main event of 35, this one's the one that's going to be remembered the most because even though they main evented 35, this is a classic, like this is a classic match. And I, honestly, you know, I look at it right now, it's 16 minutes and three seconds. It was 
the fourth longest match on the card. Obviously, Hell in a Cell, Undertaker, and Shane McMahon. Um, clearly, Jenny is not a fan of old-school Undertaker matches from back in the mid-2000s because they were exactly what you say. It was very long. Undertaker taking 17 minutes to get mm-hmm. to the ring. I totally understand that. But I'll be honest with you. You take away like three minutes away from Roman and Triple H, and you take away like five or six minutes from Undertaker and Shane, and you give that – I'm not saying – I'll put it to you this way. Had Charlotte, Becky, and Sasha given, been given 20 minutes, I think that's perfect. Mm-hmm. I actually think that the 16 minutes was a little bit too short for me, as crazy as okay. it might sound. I don't yeah. know if anybody else on the panel agrees. But, I mean, what are your takeaways from this WrestleMania? I mean, for me, I mean, all right, Shane through the table, off the cell. Okay, iconic image, right? But as far as matches go, what are you pointing to at this WrestleMania? Only I two mean, of them. what Jericho oh, Styles? I mean, you're not gonna, you know, that should have been better, but it wasn't, you know. But it's it's this one for me. This one was always the one from that mania that yeah. was stole the show. I can't agree with you more. Because uh, yeah. when I when I think of 32, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, is this match because yeah. it's so. It, that this match is the definition of iconic in a good way and it's not iconic in the sense of hogan and rock per se but it's it took something that was given to us this was the perfect and i'm going to coin the term and i'm going to be cliche about this but this was the perfect evolution from sasha bailey um what would have been eight months prior this was the next step yeah this was the next logical step and it was i for the most part really well done i I get you guys' point about Charlotte probably winning. And in hindsight, it makes sense because of everything you detailed of the 2016, because the rivalry between Sasha and Charlotte became really, really big that summer. Mm. Actually that summer throughout that entire fall. Um, So it makes sense. But at the time, even though I was rooting for Becky and I knew she wouldn't win, win, I was like, Sasha needs to win. If they don't have (laughs) Sasha win, they're going crazy. Now I'm, made to look like an idiot and that's perfectly fine ross oh uh again i was there live again perhaps i have a perhaps I have a different perspective um i was really looking forward to this match i'm not saying it's a bad match the ending had me skewed in a way that kind of left a weird taste in my mouth that's me that crowd wanted Sasha Banks to win. That crowd got a little deflated. Now, I understand what Matt <laughs> is saying, that booking-wise and WWE logic-wise, they put the heel over yeah. for them revamping the whole division and rebranding it as the women's division. Yes, a thousand percent, I agree with you. But at the time, in that building, during that match, no one wanted her to win, which is probably why they did it. <laughs> Fair enough. So, I want to ask again, a bonus. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask. I wanted to ask a bonus question really quickly because Ross uh, disagrees with me on something, and I want to see where you guys are at. So obviously, they they debuted the brand new at the time women's championship, which is which has now become the Raw Women's Championship. It's the white strap with the red emblem, whereas the SmackDown one is the blue emblem. Do you to you? Is that currently the best looking women's championship in wrestling right now? Or are you guys a fan of the current AEW world women's title? WWE. By far. 
Yeah, agreed. The, the, the red. Thank you. For sure. Thank you. All right. For, so her, to anybody who's ever said that the AEW Women's World title is a good-looking title, they're, they're absolutely nuts. Gerard it, and it, it, it does. It do, uh, uh, it, AEW has they, – they, like, they, they pay tribute to the old school, and it's more an old school-looking title. Uh, and women's championships of the past have that sort of very minimalistic layout. So I appreciate that they're trying to pay tribute to that. But as far as, you know, uh, aesthetically goes, it's not even close. Yeah. It was a direct shot at me because I love AEW title. <laughs> I, like I don't like the fact that half of WWE's about Bro, women's championship. Yeah. I have, so, it my, I have it on my wall, dude. Yeah. So <laughs> again, it's fine. Jorge's just a hater. He doesn't like the fact that I like something different. So whatever, we move I'm on to our third me. match as, as a nice segue. No, no, you got your shot in. I'm moving on. <laughs> the third match that we're going over tonight. I'm telling you, Jorge and I are going to do another show just based around this pay per view because I'm going to prove that I am right. That this pay per view was awesome from top to bottom. Because I'm, I'm way too. And I'm an opener. The other tonight show live, it was at, well, it was at Chicks, Arizona. Was it Ballard, Lesnar? Don't even get me started about that. Okay. I, but yes, that was that pay per view. Yes. Okay. We'll talk later. Finn Balor hits a Kuri <laughs> Raw and Brock Lesnar immediately puts him in a Kimura. Hold on. Listen, it okay. Is, it is what it is. The match it should have been with Lesnar and Balor. Thank you, Matthew. You, you yeah. are such a, you're just a wise young man. Okay. Just like it was with Styles and Lesnar, just like it was with Brian and Lesnar. Here's a, it okay. was the same kind of so, thing. So, Matt, yeah. before we even jump into Asuka and Becky for a second, <laughs> Ross has this beef where he thinks, and by the way, I, I, I lost you guys for about a 45-second threshold. So if you guys said this, I apologize. I don't mean to be repeating myself. He's going to trash has this thing. Styles Daniel Bryan match again. Go yeah, ahead. Let me, you got to let me I'll trash it. Those? No, no, the Royal Rumble match. The match at the Royal oh, Rumble between yeah. AJ and Daniel Bryan, Ross thinks is the best match, of, or one of the top five best matches of 2019. Is. It it's is not, not better. It's it, not better than the SmackDown match. I'm sorry. It's not. It's, it's not, not better than any of the matches on that yeah. entire card. Like I can make the case to you right now. Well, hold on. You know what? Let's look it up right now. <laughs> Hang on. We're gonna, we're gonna have this conversation. We got people on the show. They 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 agree with me. I got to take advantage. I look. Okay, so we had Shinsuke versus Rusev. Okay, okay. So let's look at the main card. So we have Becky and Asuka. We got Miz and Shane versus The Bar. We got Ronda and Sasha. Becky and winning the Rumble. DB versus AJ, Brock versus Balor, and then Rollins winning the Rumble. Don't sleep on that Sasha versus Ronda match, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Oh, my God. I've been telling oh, Ross for all was this two years awesome. that that match is a banger. Following, following what Asuka and Becky did, they were extra stiff in that match. Believe me. They Very were. much so. Very much yeah. so, first of all. Second of all, I think that – and I've said this before and I'll say it again – the detriment to the Daniel Bryan's AJ Styles match at this year's Royal Rumble, the only mistake that happened was the fact that they decided that match needed to go after Becky winning the Rumble. 
had they opened the match or opened the show with Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles, or they put this match, I don't know, <laughs> after Ronda and Sasha and before the Women's Rumble, dude, it would have been perfectly fine. Like, I was at this Royal Rumble, okay? I was actually – this is my first ever and only pay-per-view that I've ever been to, and I'm very happy to state that fact. I was so – completely out of energy when I saw Becky Lynch win the Royal Rumble that I had nothing left to give to AJ and DB. And I feel bad about that, but it was their responsibility to give me something better than they did. And they didn't. Probably the most predictable of all. That, that I'm, year. I'm, yeah. I'm so upset at Jorge right now. Someone else talk. Someone else talk. Right <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. All right so Becky, Becky and Oscar. Let's go. I love this match. I really do. But Jorge, <laughs> Jorge has crossed the line with me right now. So I need to cool down. Okay. Really. Really, I need to cool down. Oscar and Becky Lynch uh, for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. This opened the show. Um, I think people knew that they were somehow, some way going to shoehorn Becky into the Rumble match regardless. Um, but I really do think there was a large section of people that just assumed she was winning this match, which I don't know how that would have made sense and how she was going to be in the Rumble too. But I think somehow, mm-hmm. some way, because I'm telling you right now, when she lost, that place went silent. Being there live, that place was like, oh my gosh, Becky Lynch just lost. Is she going to be in the Rumble? She has to be in the Rumble. She has to win, right? So just leading up to the match, I think people were like, oh, this is opening. So, and again, I know what the end game was and what some people probably anticipated happening. And you're right. Once she was in the Rumble, everybody knew she was winning. Because it was still kind of a mystery if she was actually going to be in the match. Regardless of if you knew she was going to be in the match or not, she was not announced for the match. So after she was announced, everybody, okay, she's winning. So I got to tell you, uh, Asuka was built as this just unbeatable talent. And then she lost to Charlotte. Part of the mystique was off of Asuka, fair or not. And then she was booked horribly for, like, a long time. And to me, this is one of the few instances where I go, oh, WWE finally realized that Asuka's actually, like, incredible and decided, oh, yeah, so even though Becky Lynch is going to be this person that we put over at WrestleMania, um, we need to really take care of some of our other talent that either we haven't been booking as well or that is just really good. And, of course, they ended up telling the storyline of the only person Becky couldn't beat for a long time was Asuka, and that was part of that storyline. So let's talk about this match and how it opened the show, it set up the rest of the show, and how realistically it not only protected Becky Lynch, but it helped lift up Asuka. Matt, I'll let you go first. All right. I think he's still mad at me. I'm just kidding. I love you, Ross. No. You know that, bro. <laughs> um, watching this match, this is only the second time I watched this match. So the first time, obviously, live on pay-per-view. And then this, re-watching it again yesterday. Um, 
I'll tell you, hard hitting, harder hitting than I remember it being. And Mm -hmm. I I mentioned this to Jenny while we were watching this, the evolution, to use that word again, of Becky's offense was take a shot (laughs) was was incredible from where she was at mania 32 to the more aggressive becky lynch here was fantastic to see but you know at the end as as for me as soon as she makes her entrance at the beginning of that show i'm like she's getting the rumble and she is winning so this whole match, I'm thinking to myself that she's losing somehow. Um, did I think it was going to be clean to a submission? No. I thought something else might happen. But uh, great finish. Uh, there was a spot where they both, I guess, uh, Asuka tries to do a swinging neckbreaker from the apron, and they die, or they, they look like they died. Uh, <laughs> but, but great stuff. And... Um, I want to mention one thing though, is that after this, when Oscar retains, uh, you know, she basically does nothing on WWE TV until automatically somehow Charlotte's like, Hey, can I have a smack that woman's title match? And she wins the title like 10 days before WrestleMania to set up that, uh, um, you know, sham triple threat match for both titles. But um, yeah, I, I just think that it's so hot and cold with Oscar with this company, it, it, the way she was in NXT, not to mention her other work, you know, in Japan as, as Kana and all that other stuff. Great match, not the importance of the other two, but this match definitely is the best women's match of 2019, bar none. Um, as I was saying with Jorge on social media, after Mania, it falls off a cliff for me, and it hasn't been the same since. Uh, it peaked at it, maybe not peaked at Mania, but that was the end of this great run of women's wrestling. And since then, they've been trying to play catch up, and it just hasn't been the same. Yeah, you know, I have to agree with you on that, Matt. I think that they got kind of close to it when we got Becky and Sasha in the fall of last year, especially the Clash of Champions match, and then their Hell in a Cell match. Hell in a Cell, yeah. Yeah, um, there was a couple of there was a couple of gems in NXT in 2019. Obviously, there was um, uh, Shayna Baszler and Io Shirai had a couple of bangers in the Fatal Four Way in, in, in New York, but which were really really good. But there was more. Uh, what's how should I put this? There was more eh than there was, oh, snap. And so I watched this match um, this this afternoon for the first time since last year. And I'd never watched it on TV because I was at the stadium. And there were finally things that I wasn't able to appreciate and see, really, because even though I could see the screen and I was looking at the ring, it's not the same as watching it on TV. It's just not. Um, I remember that at one point when I was at the stadium last year, Ross can attest to this because him and I both were there. We were just sitting in different areas. But Ross, I don't know if you remember when they shut off the screens over at Chase Field in the midst of in the middle of this match, and we were like, "What the heck was going on?" And apparently, I was under the impression that there was just a wardrobe malfunction for one of the wrestlers. But they never show that on TV, so I don't know. I guess it must have been a technical glitch. So it was just one of those things where I was watching the match. And I was completely anticipating something entirely different. And when I rewatched it today, I was like, 
yeah, no, this match is even better on TV than it was in person, but because I can finally see all the angles that you can't watch when you're in person. And Matt, you hit the nail right on the head when you said this match was stiff as all hell because this yeah, match, it, was. it really was, right? The, I saw Becky, and Becky has always been uh, – to me, Becky's been one of the rougher of the women in the division over the last few years. And, like, just, you know, she, she does a lot of big tosses and whatnot, and her submissions are really, really strong. But Becky, to me, has never been – a stiff worker. She, she may be getting, she's giving you European uppercuts, but it wasn't until later on. And I, and you said it best where she really evolved her, her game over the last couple of years, especially when she became a man, she got, mm-hmm. she took that aggressiveness and really incorporated it into her offense. And you saw that. And I think she may have kicked it up a notch with Oscar because she knew she was going to be in the Rebecca Quinn, not Becky Lynch. Rebecca Quinn knew she was going to be in the ring with Oscar, and she knew that Oscar was completely different than Charlotte, completely different than Sasha, Bailey, Natty, any of the people that she faced off with. Carmella during that time, completely different. And so she kicked it up a notch, and it flowed so nicely and so beautifully that I was like, you know, this match is a banger and there's nothing in 2019 that I can really think of that comes close to it. And I look and I go, I go, you know, going back to Melter, and I'm not going to take a shot at him or anything like that, but I just want to say, I'm, I'm really surprised that he gave this match 3.75 stars because this match to me is up in that four to four and a half star threshold. Um, I'm not saying I'm not saying if it's better than Sasha Bailey or if it's not, but I'm here to tell you this match was sick and it was better than a lot of the matches in 2019. And there's a few matches that were actually giving a higher star rating than this was. And it's really tough for me to swallow, you know? Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with, with both of you guys. Um, I think we're all in agreement how badass of a match this was. Um, you can really see the evolution hugely of of Becky's character um, and the fact that she's able to stiffen up her game against a couple uh, opponent like Asuka is really a testament to the type of performer that she is, how she can um, adjust her style like that. Um, and it carries through throughout the whole match. It's, it's just badass. Um, uh, I can actually hear my, my kids starting to startle awake, so I might have to bounce soon. But before I do, I just wanted to thank you guys for having Matt and I on your show. I'm honored to be the first woman on your show. Whoop, whoop. Um, and, you know, the wrestling community is, is fabulous. Matt and I love being a part of it. To be able to highlight the, the women um, guys is, is just it's just such a great thing and, and we just we love it the the way the women used to be portrayed the way they are now we love talking about the contrast and everything and it's dope and we have a good time and and your guys show kicks ass too so thank you so much for having us well we really appreciate uh both of you being able to join i know uh matt started with us on the show and you were able to pop in so um yeah, no, it, it's, we were, we're both very much looking forward to this episode, just simply to have, I mean, and we've had other collaborations and other podcasts on this show, uh, but just to have that different perspective of a show that focuses 
on this topic. And again, it's not that we don't cover this type of stuff. We do. We cover it a lot. Um, but you guys are so focused on it that it does bring a it does bring a unique perspective, uh, not only to this show, but to the wrestling community and the wrestling podcasting community. So we're really, really looking forward to it. And you guys have been great. So thank you. Maddie, keep keep repping us while I go tend to our, our child. <laughs> Have fun, guys. Thanks thank, again. You guys Thank rock. you, Jenny. No, thank you. We appreciate you taking the time to go ahead and pop on with us. So keep kicking ass as a mom and as a wife. And, and uh, again, appreciate your time and your perspective, that, which is a perspective that we very rarely get on this show. So we appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. So, um, this match, this match is actually really special to me. Um, so, of course, I was at the show live. I'm sure I've said that four times. I apologize. Um, but when you when you start a pay-per-view, what's the one thing they always say that you should start a pay-per-view with? Something either very exciting or something that's going to get people engaged right away. And the reason why I love this match is this pay-per-view decided to go in a direction that a lot of pay-per-views, especially in WWE, but in general, they went against the norm. And that is they didn't go for, you know, uh, at the time there was, you know, just lots of different talents that could be more high-flying, faster pace. They went with a technical wrestling match. And they went with a technical wrestling match between somebody that was on their way up to superstardom and somebody that's not only just a solid hand, but one of the best wrestlers on the planet. And they just decided to have a really good technical wrestling match. And I think it just stands out to me because it tells the story of Becky's on this trajectory and she's beating everybody and she's got this new character and she's, she's destined. It's, it's destined for her to be the next big star for that company. And Asuka stands in her way and everybody's like, Oh, Asuka's bad. Like she, she, she's a bad woman and Becky's going to have to do everything in her power to beat her. And they just put on a clinic and then Oscar taps her out and the crowd was stunned. They were, they were like, no, Becky cannot lose. Like we want her so badly to win. And Oscar just, she just beat her. And to me, it was just such, it was such a unique way to start a pay-per-view. And again, perhaps, perhaps I'm in the minority, but for me, it stands out so much on an, on, on a show where a lot of moments stand out for me. Um, just regard, you know, when it comes to matches and just the, the actual flow of the pay-per-view, I just enjoy the fact when WWE who on purpose will do stuff to surprise people, um, for, for better or for worse, whether the crowd's ready for it or not. I think people were just like, Oh, this is what we're starting with. And then the match that they got with just the different, with just the different pacing that they did, it, it, it really it really makes this a really great rewatchable match for me. Go ahead, Maddie. 
was I was gonna say once you decide that this is your opening match for this pay per view, the the decision for the finish of the match is not easy because you what you're doing with Becky, you can't have her win the title. You can't do it right now. But you you also don't want to have sort of a, a screwy finish either because it's your first match on one of your major pay-per-views. Uh, so you don't want to get the crowd off on the wrong foot with, with a screwy finish and a great match. But I think that you did... you 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 checked a lot of boxes with the way you finished this match. You keep Asuka strong, you keep the title on her, but you also build sympathy, sympathy for Becky. On the flip side of that, I do think that you give away what's to come later. I do. By having this match first, I think that you do give away, even though she wasn't announced for the match, you know something's going to go down and she's going to win that rumble. You just know it's going to happen. And I remember that clearly thinking that, like, Okay, who in the Rumble doesn't need to be there? Lana? Oh, okay. Who's going to jump her backstage? Or who's going to jump her in the aisle? Who's going to do this? Like, I, I called it before it happened. So, without the predictability of it, great stuff. Uh, right decision as far as outcome. Uh, but as far as importance goes, it doesn't meet the importance of the other two matches. Uh, but for the year, like I said before, best women's match of that year by far. Uh, save uh, Becky and Sasha Hell in a Cell, which was close. Yeah, I totally get that. I think that um, one of the things for me that really surprised me in a good way, but then I see it in hindsight in, in a couple of ways that they kind of messed up, and it's and it's not and, and it doesn't go back to the match, but it goes to the overall booking of what happened last year. So I, I, I was really, really shocked and surprised when Asuka got her to tap out. I mean, Becky, Becky doesn't tap. You know, Be- Becky tapped out to Charlotte in 2016. But that was Becky Lynch, the last kicker. That was Becky Lynch, the bottom of the totem pole. This is Becky Lynch, the hottest woman. No, actually, let me take that back. Becky Lynch, the hottest thing in professional wrestling, regardless of anything at that point in time. Like, she was the biggest thing in pro wrestling at the time. That, there, there was just no argument about that. And for Asuka to be the one that's tapping her out. It was like, oh, hold up. We just did a complete 180 here for a second. Not only did you go ahead and have Becky find a way to not win, which is great for what's about to happen in the next three months, you're also making Asuka pre-WrestleMania 34 all over again, which nobody, nobody was mad at. Everybody was like, because I know for a fact when Ross and I reviewed this show and we talked about this match, and Ross, you know this, you and I were like, yo, this match was a banger. This pay-per-view as a whole was a banger. We were really happy that because Ross and I, not only did we go to the Royal Rumble, but as we've stated 95,000 different times on the last 100 episodes, Ross and I also went to the Monday Night Raw after the Rumble as well. So we were there. When, Ron, when Ronda was cutting her promo and she was getting booed out of the building in Phoenix, and then they, there was a pop galore for Becky Lynch walking out into the uh, into Talking Stick Resort Arena, Matt. Like, it was – I know that you probably watched the episode live on TV, but it was loud in there. And Ross and I were hyped as all could be. And then there was the kind of flimsy booking that they did for the next two months. But then Asuka was in a weird trajectory where they – 
put her in this situation of um, she was gone from t- from TV for like a month and then came back and as you stated she lost to Charlotte and it and I bring that up because they Oscar beat Becky clean the hottest superstar in the game and then she loses in a rematch that wasn't even on pay-per-view to Charlotte. And by the way, mind you, let it be known right now that the rematch between Asuka and Charlotte on that SmackDown a couple weeks prior to WrestleMania was really, really good. But they almost messed up Becky because they messed up Asuka. And it was a very weird situation. And I just wanted to mention that. But that particular thing, to me, does not mess around with the fact that Asuka and Becky – at the Rumble in 19, fire. I'll say a classic to me. I really do mean that. As a technical match, as a great opener of a match, this match is going to be remembered for a really long time. Like, the sequel was good. Like, Becky and Asuka 2 at, at this year's Rumble was good. Doesn't hold a candle to what happened last year, though. Like, it was really, really strong. I thoroughly enjoyed this match just as much as Ross did. And it seems to me like you also really, really enjoyed it as well. I did, and it's definitely when you when you section that off to the five to whatever seven year period, whatever we talked about, it's in that conversation as one of those matches that you look back at and say, okay, here we are. This is what they're doing now. This is what we have to accept. This is what not not begrudgingly, by the way. This is what we should accept as great wrestling now. Um, it's in the conversation as one of those game changers, but for me, it doesn't hold the clout for importance as the other two we talked about, as great as it is. So we are at that point in the show where we have discussed all three matches. We are now going to rank them from uh, three, two, and one. Of course, one being... Uh, again, you can rank it off of your favorite match. It told the best story, the most complete anything. These are your rankings. Uh, of course, normally when it's just Jorge and I, we go back and forth, but because we have a guest, and again, we have Matt, and uh, we had Jenny from Wrestling With Respect on our show. And again, we thank you both for joining us on this show. I'm going to let our guest go first, and I think I'm going to do it a little bit differently tonight. We normally go you know, three across the board, two across the board, and one across the board, but I think I'm just going to do... Uh, one at a time, ranking them uh, from three, two, and then one. So, Matt, I'm going to let you go first as to uh, your order for the three matches, which I will go over the three matches one more time for the listening audience, and that is we went over Sasha and Bailey for the NXT Women's Championship from NXT TakeOver Brooklyn in 2015. The triple threat match for the inaugural WWE Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, and Sasha Banks. And the Asuka versus Becky Lynch match for the SmackDown Women's Championship from Royal Rumble 2019. So, Matt, go ahead and give us your list. So, it's in that exact order. So, if you're going one to three, it's how we covered it here. So it's Brooklyn, it's then Mania 32, and then it is the uh, Oscar-Becky Lynch match from Royal Rumble 19. Um, The triple threat match to me is the next step, the sequel, if you will, to what happened in Brooklyn. And 
I don't think Rumble 19 happens without the, pre- the, the previous two matches happening. So that's, that's it for me. Short, sweet, and to the point. Love it, yes, Jorge. Uh, again, if you want to do it in the same order, if you want to, I'm not saying you're picking the same order, but if you want to go top to bottom or bottom to top, either way you want to do it is totally fine with me, Jorge. What is your listing of these three matches? Yeah, brother. Um, I'm going to go bottom to top, and um, I'm going to say, you know, I rewatched them over the last 24 hours, and all three, all three of them are such bangers, guys. Like, it's not even funny how great these three matches are. Um, as well as all the other matches that we mentioned over the last couple of weeks. But to me, I would put at number three, and I'm going to say the triple threat. And the reason why is not because they picked the wrong winner or it was bad, because on the contrary, I just praised it on this podcast. But again, it was – here's the great thing about this. It was at the beginning of these three ladies' careers. And how great these three girls have gotten and have become – like four years later, they are. If you don't think that Sasha Banks, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch, and by the way, Bailey and Asuka are Hall of Famers, you're out of your mind because only that far into their careers, they're they're Hall of Famers. And, they all are. Yeah. They all are. All, all five of the women that are being discussed on tonight's show are absolutely are. And but that's the thing. The triple threat is so good, but they have gotten so much better, and. 2019 in particular, especially for Becky and Asuka, um, like that was an – Asuka has just been on a level that nobody has been able to touch except for maybe – like Charlotte's like right with her, right? To me, I, I, I've switched it. I used to say Charlotte's number one, but right now to me, Charlotte and Asuka are like 1A, 1B, and it's like it flip-flops. Um, and I think that it's helped that Charlotte's been out of the game for a couple of months to make me reappreciate Asuka. But – the triple threat would be number three. The evolution of Becky and seeing how great she got as a total package, and then you put her in the ring with Asuka, and they make this just beautiful magic. To me, that's number two. Um, and then, of course, the standard bearer of what's what will continue to be women's wrestling for the next 15 years, man. Like you, It's got to be something ridiculous. You have to have a ridiculous match to be able to pull off what Sasha and Bailey pulled off in Brooklyn that night. That it, it's just too special. It's just too special. But there have been matches that have come close, and there will be matches that come close. I'm looking forward to the day that I can – actually, I don't need to look forward to a day because we have finally – what these three matches did is set a standard that we just can't go back to anymore, and that's a beautiful thing. There's a standard now of women's wrestling, which I think that's the reason why 2019 we were like kind of quote unquote disappointed, if you will. But it's because there's a standard that Charlotte and Becky and Asuka and Bailey and Sasha and all these other women, because there's a lot of other women, not just in the WWE women's division, but all over. Because you got Rio and you got Hikaru Shida over in AEW and Britt Baker's up and coming. And there's a lot of people, but there's a certain standard that we've reached that it's just hard to go below now. So you just have to continue to push. And, and that's, that's fine with me. Keep pushing it because it's just going to keep getting better and better and better. Well, you better believe that Sasha and Bailey are going to try and top that at Hell in a Cell. Oh, no. I, I'm, I'm me, they're, they're, to they're aware of all the stuff we're talking about right now. So 
they know what they did in Brooklyn, and they're going to try and top that. And uh, I'm very curious to see if they do. Really I just curious. Hope, I just hope that uh, we don't get a repeat of the Charlotte Hell in a Cell match. That's me. I like not- that match. That's me. I hope we don't get a repeat of that again. What are you, what are you, what are you basing it on, though? It's the first women's Hell in a Cell match. If you're basing, um, if you're basing it against like Taker and, Ma- and Mankind, no, of course it's not going to be the same, you know. No, I'm basing it off the fact that there were at least three separate instances where I thought Sasha Banks died, <laughs> and they all involved table spots. That's fine. Okay. She she's the best seller in the women's division by far, so it's fine. Uh, well, she sells the I mean, shit out of everything. I mean, crap out of everything. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> so I will tell you that I am in full agreement with Jorge on this one. Uh, I've been live at all three events live. The triple threat match that happened at WrestleMania 32 for as important of a match as it is and as important of a story as they told, to me as a wrestling match, it lacked something. Again, that is my opinion. I think they could have done a few things differently. I think uh, somebody brought up the point that if you take away some of the minutes off of some of the other matches and added them to this one, uh, perhaps they could have told a slightly better story. Uh, but if you're making me rank these three matches, number three for me, um, the Royal Rumble match uh, is a very special match to me. Uh, no doubt in my mind, it is the best women's match of 2019. It's one of the best matches entirely in 2019 for WWE. Um, and as a journey, as much as, and I don't need to go into this long road of me not liking the Becky Lynch man character, but for that character, for the development of it, and keeping it at the forefront and actually have her be at the level she needs to be at, that match important matches of the last five years. So, so you don't then, like the character? No, I hate the character. Oh, oh all right, good. Yeah. I hate the character. <laughs> it, it's, it, is, it is... Do I want to be polite or do I want to be myself? I'll be, be yourself. yourself. Okay. Um, so we're basically saying that she has to take on a persona that is not who she is. I agree with you. Yes. So I host the I host the podcast about women's wrestling, and I agree with you. Yes. Okay. So, yes. so, so, okay, if you want me to be myself, I was disgusted at the comparisons of her to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Not even, that is, not even close. That is a joke. That is not a, a joke. funny joke. That is an embarrassing joke. Okay? I agree. Also, also, can we not think of a better moniker than calling her the man? It made sense in the in the feud against Charlotte Flair because of her dad's catchphrase of to be the man you have to beat the man. But then they turned that into an entire year of calling her the man. Dumb. But look, she she didn't turn heel, but she had that kind of tweener thing going on on Charlotte at SummerSlam, which also, which also yeah. annoys me because tweener characters out. But go yeah. on. Yeah, since we're Jackson, she got over. 
so I mean, it wasn't meant to be totally. So I mean, mm. some some of the best things happen by accident. But um, I'm with you, man. It also bothers me that with you. it also bothers me that they had the wrong main event for 35. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. sorry, the wrong decision. I'm sorry. Uh, it, it was the, it was the considering what they had to work with. It was the right decision at the time. It was. Well, thing, thing, all things are hindsight. Twenty twenty. Um, that's fine. But again, that's my opinion. Uh, as for number one, um, Sasha. Okay, I still think Charlotte Flair is the most complete women's wrestler we have on the planet right now. That's my opinion. Um, the best women's match I have ever seen is Sasha and Bailey from TakeOver Brooklyn. It just is. And as much as I love some of the other matches that we have talked about on this show and some of the other matches that we have covered on this show, um, if I'm telling somebody to watch, you know, if somebody asks me, hey, Ross, I really want to watch a women's wrestling match, give me give me one match I can only watch to get me into women's wrestling. I'd tell them to watch that match. Because as I said at the top, it tells a complete story from the entrance to the three count. And I and and I and I specifically say that again because some people are like, well, that was a great match, but you know, there was this there was this weird part in the in the whatever the entrances to the end of the match and even the post-show stuff i understand and you break kayfabe or whatever but that's a you can get and there's no way it's not it's not number one on my list and all in agreement so that's uh, i wanted to make sure that we got our talking points in for the three matches but uh, Jorge did preface something at the beginning, and I want to spend a little bit of time, not too much, but a little bit of time, about the list that was released today, this morning, of, uh, what is it, the PWI Top 10? PWI Top 10 Women of, 20, uh, of the Year, yeah. Shouldn't say okay. 2020, I should say. So, Jorge, uh, very quickly, but very succinctly, if you want to read off the Top 10, that would be helpful for not only to the show, but for our listening audience. Sure, no problem. I'd be happy to. I'm going to go ahead and bring that up right now. So, I had it here. One moment. There we go. Top 10 2020. All right. So, we had. I just had it here. I apologize, guys. One second. My internet's just acting a little bit dumb. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Now I feel so- terrible. So, so essentially what, uh, I got it now. Got it. Okay. All right. So I apologize. So we had at number 10, uh, Mayu Iwatani, um, at number nine is the current NXT women's champion, Io Shirai. Number eight, we have Riho from all elite wrestling as, and, uh, I'm sorry, what's the other promotion that she's currently wrestling for right now in in Japan? I I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. Matt, Matt, do you know? I don't, I don't know. Okay. Okay. All right, all good. Sorry. No, 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 it's okay. And then number seven, we have um, the former Impact World Champion, Tessa Blanchard, and I have to make sure that we get that in there. Uh, Number six is current AEW World Women's Champion, Hikaru Shida. Uh, Number five, Sasha Banks. Number four, Charlotte Flair. 
Number three, the current Raw Women's Champion, Asuka. Number two, Becky Lynch. And number one, and the current SmackDown Women's Champion, the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion of all time, Bayley. That is the top 10 of the 2020 PWI Women's 100. Okay, so first and foremost, um, is there anything that absolutely stands out from first glance of this list as being egregious, too high, too low? Matt, I'm going to start with you because I think you mentioned it earlier. If you have another thing that you're like, whoa, this really stood out to me, please, please uh, let that be known as well. Tessa Blanchard, too low. Okay. She I mean, should be she higher. Was, uh, yes. I mean, she was uh, – she was Impact's world champion for the men for a good chunk of time. She won the top title in a major promotion. I don't care what you say about Impact. It is a major promotion. And she won Indeed. the world title, not the women's title, world title. Uh, she was a lightning rod throughout the year, which could be a detriment. But some people would say it draws attention. Um, she should be in that top five, man. That is not, a total... not number one because I think Bailey should be number one. I think that's this is her year. Um, okay, she should be number one, but she should. Uh, but I think Tessa should definitely be in that top five. So I have I have two things I want to throw off of you because they're the two things that stand out for me. Um, personally. It took me a long time to buy into this Bailey character uh, as a heel. And uh, I think a lot of people would agree with me that I think it took a while for not only Bailey to get comfortable, but for the audience to accept this character. Um, and I also do think that although I do agree that she is number one this year, I think because she has been a champion now for over a year now, right? She just passed that threshold recently, right? Yeah. So now I get it. If there was if there was a guy in one of the main promotions that held a title for a year, he would be at the top two. But I feel like that kind of or or is this a product of, you know, is this is this a down year for women's wrestling? Is this just a big year for Bailey? Like what are your thoughts on you know, is Bailey just a shoe in because she's been the champion? Has she really shown you something? Has she really grown? Like, I feel like her being the champion is like 95% the reason she's number one. Am I wrong? I think there's a sect of the community who would say that she is on top because we have Charlotte going for elective sur surgery mm -hmm. uh, and we have. Uh, Becky on maternity leave, but I think that she would still have the title regardless. I think that um, I can confidently say that she would still have the title, but um, I, I don't want to think it's because of it, it's because of an absence of other individuals. Okay. I think that she has, as as Jenny said before, she has fully embraced this character and uh, worked it to a point where. People genuinely don't like her, I would say. Uh, as fans, they, they, I, I think that they don't like her. They want to like her. I think they remember what she was, um, and, and they're disgusted by it. But at the same time, um, she's had a meaningful title reign. And I'm a huge proponent of meaningful title reigns, not useless 
title reigns just for the sake of a number. So uh, I think that this Bailey, whatever you COVID, whatever you want to, you know, whatever the circumstances, I think she she would be number one for me no matter what. So I, I think that that is for me the only logical choice. And I just have one more name, and Jorge, I, I promise you will you will come in after this. Um, I think Hikaru Shida needs to be higher. I think once they put her in a position to be the top of that AEW women's division, which by all accounts, there is some up and coming talent, but it is a lot of, there's a lot of experience in that division. There's a lot of people that they're trying to build all at the same time. And with, with, with Riho kind of, you know, being the standard bearer and then COVID happened and now she's, you know, in Japan and they, and they took the belt off of her and, once they put the belt on Hikaru Shida, it was very clear that they put the best worker on the belt, and she's gotten some pretty decent matches out of a lot of the talent on that roster. And I think she deserves a really big boost for what she has done, not only for that division, but for women's wrestling in AEW and across the board. So to me... I think she's too low. I think she needs to be top five. Uh, maybe top three is pushing it. Um, but I do really think that what she has meant to that company and how she has really been the the flagship of that division um, really speaks highly of her. Your your thoughts on, on what I just said about Cheetah? I agree with you, Ross. Um, I think that uh, Hikaru Shida has been uh, probably the best thing in the women's division in AEW overall. I think Britt Baker has been something that's that's been very fun to watch. But if you look from a wrestling standpoint and from uh, holding the banner with the title, I think Hikaru Shida has been the, the face of AEW women's uh, wrestling over the past, I'd say, eight or nine months really since she won the title and even prior to that. Uh, I think that the one thing that really stands out to me out of this entire top 10 list, um, I think Tessa Blanchard should also be higher. I mean, when you win the biggest prize in your promotion, regardless of gender, that's kind of a big deal. Um, I'm also really surprised. And I guess now that I know that it's officially 2020 and not because we look at the men's and they do the 19 or they, they do, they do, uh, half and half. They do one half of the other year and the other half of the following year together. And so on the women's side, they're doing it just one year. So when I was arguing why I wasn't seeing Shayna Baszler, now it makes sense because Shayna Baszler's 2020 is not her 2019. But I'll argue Rhea Ripley should be on this list. And no disrespect to Mayu Iwatani, I don't really know who she is. I know that she's a really big deal in Japan, so I don't want to disrespect her by saying she shouldn't be on this list because I don't know. I've never seen her work, and I'll be completely honest with you. But I'm I'm actually really surprised that I'm not seeing Rhea Ripley in the top ten. And uh, if it were me, I'd probably bump up Tessa a little bit. I I would consider bumping up Hikaru a little bit. Um, because Charlotte's run in 2020 was shorter than most years, I, I don't see why you wouldn't bring down Charlotte on the list a little bit, but I think she still deserves to be top 10. And Becky's also been gone for now a few months of 2020. And 
I get why Becky's at two. Um, I would I would consider maybe bringing I, – I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I'd bring down Becky a little bit. So if I had to rearrange the order, I'd keep Bailey at number one because I think Bailey has been the best – the overall best women's competitor of 2020 this year. I would put Asuka at number two, and then I'd go ahead and put um, – I'd probably put Ble- Tessa at three, followed by Hikaru. I'm down with leaving Sasha at five. Then I put Becky at six, Charlotte at seven. I think EO should be at eight, Rio at nine, and I'd bring in Rhea at ten. That's how I'd do it. That would be my rankings. Uh, Matt, another name that I saw on this list that was a little lower uh, because we have brought up impact on this show. How is Jordan Grace not in the top ten? I ask because yeah. – is. Wasn't she fighting for the X Division title not that long ago, too? Like, she didn't was. she base – didn't she – now, I'm not saying it's fully, but once the whole Tessa Blanchard thing blew up, they kind of just said, okay, Jordan Grace, you basically move into that spot. And yep. they've kind of booked her. Now, again, she's not wrestling for the world title, but they kind of just said, okay, that's your spot now. And they were already kind of doing similar things with her anyway. And in a very underrated division on Impact – I think she's getting a little disrespected on this list. I think she is too. She should definitely be in that top 10. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't on a total island on that one too. So No doubt. But when you have two competitors who have been out most of the year, I mean, at least in 2020, um, you know, they should be bumped down a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, I'm with Jorge saying that, that Tessa should be higher. Uh, Hikaru should be higher, although not in front of Tessa, I don't think, uh, because as great as Riho is, was as a champion, I think we all knew that Sheeta was the best worker in that company. She's the best wrestler. And she's given the title a little bit more clout, although they have a ton of work to do in that division, a ton mm-hmm. of work to do. Uh, but, yeah, uh, uh, Jordan Gray should be there. Rhea Ripley be there, no doubt. Are you uh, cool with EO's ranking at nine, or do you also think she, she should probably be higher? Because, obviously, she, she won the title, when was it, in June? Yes, but her overall work in 2020 has been strong. So that's why I'm like, I don't know. EO, to me, EO should probably be higher than Riho. Um, like if you had, if both of you had to re-rank this top 10, and I don't want to, I know that we're kind of getting close to the end of the show, but I'm just curious, how would you, how would you both re-rank it? Because I re-ranked it here. I'm curious to know. It sounds to me like you probably both leave Bailey at number one. How would, re, how would you one, rearrange? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Um if I had to jot it down quick, Bailey's one. Um, you know, I got to put Tessa at two, and I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to give Sasha that high of a rank, but I would stop at Becky at three. Uh, maybe. Sorry for the pause here, but I'm actually thinking about this. Uh, no, no worries, man. I put you on the spot. I apologize. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I should have had this before. Um, you know, I could see honestly, honestly, I could see Rhea as high as four. Not gonna lie, 
because I mean, as far as what Sasha did, uh, I could have Sasha at five. I could have EO at five. I could, I could play around with this list a lot. Uh, but I think Charlotte and Becky should be pegged down a little bit. Still in the top 10, but pegged down a little bit. Yeah. Ross, what about you? How would you rearrange either Jordan, your top 10? Jordan Gray is definitely in the top 10. Jordan, okay. All right, so so, yeah. so I will say uh, Bailey is one. Hold on. Sorry. That was weird. I got music in my ears. I apologize. Um, I have Bailey at one. Uh, I will agree that Tessa Blanchard needs to be number two. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I would I would say Asuka is three. Uh, I would put Hikaru Shida at four. That's Asuka. me. Yeah. That's, that's again. That's me. Um, Asuka completely. She's she's and then and then uh, some kind of combination of you know I would probably have Charlotte and Becky outside of the top five um, for the year. Again, that's me. Uh, I oh, think I, I, I think Rhea Ripley and Jordan Grace probably round out the top ten. Um, I think Riho is right in the middle of that mix, somewhere between five and eight. Uh, Io Shirai is definitely in that mix between five and eight. Um, Sasha Banks is probably rounding out that group between five and eight. So, um, and if that's not ten, then I apologize, but I think that's ten. Um, so. That's probably what I would do. Uh, last question before we go, because it's been an absolute pleasure having uh, Matt and Jenny on from Wrestling With Respect talking some uh, some of the best women's matches that we've had in the last five to ten years, uh, especially on the WWE side. Tess Blanchard going to WWE? she going to AEW? she going to hang out in Mexico with Daga? Like, <laughs> what's, your, what's, your, what's your thoughts? Man, I honestly don't have a good answer to that. Um, I wish I did, but you know she writes her own story, man. Like I have to give her props for that. She kind of controls everything that she does. So I think that she knows that there are a lot of uh, promotions hot for her right now, and I think she's going to dictate uh, the terms of everything that happens eventually. I think that. AEW had a huge opportunity. I said this on our last episode of Wrestling Respect. I think it was our last episode. Uh, they could have. They have a a good green women's division, but I think if they had signed Diana Perazzo, if they had made a pitch for Tessa, you have a start of something really good there. I think they missed the boat on it. I don't see her going to AEW. I if I'm if I'm Vince McMahon or if I'm Triple H, I'm giving her a blank check and saying whatever you want you got it this is mr paul Heyman right over here let's see what we have let's see what we can do all right um i think that it it's there at the end of the day i'm gonna say she comes wwe one way or another whether it's nxt or the main roster hoping for nxt but probably main roster so so i think there are positives and negatives to both. Of course, of course. Um, I think if she goes to AEW, she is immediately the star. She immediately gives even more credibility to a roster that still needs to have some building blocks. Um, there's already some people that she can have really good matches with, and she can slowly just just take that division and make it hers. But who, she, who does she work with in that division, though? 
after you get past the Sheeta and all that stuff, mm-hmm. who is she having long-term programs with? You don't know right now. You right. Put her, you put her in the ring with Baker. You put her in the ring with Chris Statlander, like green, green people. I get it. No? Yeah, but, yeah. No, but uh, okay, let's put it this way. If she goes to AEW, she is taking on the challenge of saying, this is my division. I'm putting it on the back, on my back, and I'm getting these people over. That's a challenge she might and might take on. However, if she does go to WWE, which I agree that I think she's going to WWE, how long do you wait until she wrestles Charlotte? Because I'm telling you right now, if she signs with WWE, she's going to the main roster. I think she's pulling an AJ Styles, and she's going right to the main roster. There's no NXT for her. I know that's going to upset people that love NXT, and I'm not saying I don't like NXT, but I'm saying – if you if you get Tessa Blanchard, you put her on the main roster, and you just have her go through like a cyclone. So to me, you put her on the main roster, and you wait and you build, and it's off in the distance of there's Charlotte and there's Tessa, and you wait and you build, and then eventually you do it because I think the temptation is they're going to do it too soon. I and agree with you, but she that, has an endless supply of people she can work with in that company. This is true. Sa- Sasha, Bailey, Becky, uh, De- uh, Dakota. Uh, I'm going to go deep on this. Dakota Kai and Candice LeRae and Io Shirai and mm-hmm. Shayna Baszler. You can go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. You have years of programs with her in WWE. Uh, but you're right. They like to you know bust their nut really early on some of this stuff. So, it's yeah. True. Yep. True. Um, I'm telling you, if WWE is not careful, they're going to start losing some of this depth that they have in their talent pool, in their women's division. They're going to start losing it to companies like AEW and Impact. They are. I mean, they already have. But they're going to start – I mean, I, I'm, I'm still upset at how – strong they booked Shayna Baszler and how much they completely took the wind out of her sails at WrestleMania. I am still, I'm still upset with that. Agree. But I just think if she goes, they've got something. They really do. And the other thing about going to AEW dad's there. Of course. And there is that opportunity of, Hey, dad's there. And this division is going to be mine. I do think, unfortunately, what's going to happen is there's going to be some clause in which Daga has to go with her. And that's totally <laughs> something AEW would agree to and WWE wouldn't. Again, perhaps I'm being cynical, but that's that's just something in the back of my mind. I don't think it's that cynical. I mean, Killer Cross brought over Scar- – well, actually, I shouldn't say Killer Cross brought over Scarlet or Scarlet brought over Killer Cross. But- I'd say that's a little bit different. Yeah. It- is it though? I, okay, to me, Tessa Blanchard, Tessa Blanchard is, has more pull to dictate stuff than Killer Cross, and that's not disrespectful to Killer Cross. I think that's just a fact. Let me throw this. Wait, let me throw this at you real quick too. Speaking of AEW, is that some of Tessa's best best matches um, are intergender matches, which she's had with other men, whether it's Brian Cage or you some see some of the stuff. She's had on Sammy Callahan and her tore the house down. Yeah. And I said this, I said this a few weeks back, maybe a few months back. I said, if Cody has a TNT open challenge for that title, I would not be surprised 
if Tessa comes out and they have an inter- intergender match on Dynamite, them for the TNT title with, with Tully and Arn, right mm. there. Right there. I'm just saying. Hey, that's, yeah. that's not bad booking there, young man. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. Like, it, like for, the, for the mainstream audience, maybe it's like, oh, man versus a woman might not be, like, kosher, but some of the best matches she's ever had in her career with, with men where she stole the show. I'm just saying. This is true. Yeah. Uh, so, so, um, that's, that's pretty much going to do it for our show this evening. Uh, again, really want to thank Matt and of course, Jenny from wrestling with respect for joining us on the show. Uh, why don't we give you another opportunity to get, uh, some cheap plugs in for yourself? All right. Cheap plugs. All right. So Instagram at wrestling with the respect. We are on Twitter at respect pod. Um, we don't put out as much new content as we would like. That's fine. We have a lot of old shows that you can go back and listen to. Uh, plenty of stuff in the pipeline, but uh, you can check out our network website, which is at uh, spiritofrockpod.com. You have all of our great shows on there, which is a little something for everybody. If you're a rock fan, if you are a uh, cocktail fan, wrestling fan, it's all there. Uh, just go check us out, captivate.com or .fm slash wrestling with respect. You can stream our show right there. And uh, I want to thank these guys who have been a huge advocate for us from the beginning. Uh, and when you have a podcast, uh, this community, I will, I will say, is very fostering for new people who want to start podcasts. Uh, very supportive community. Obviously, you have your toxic people. It's fine. You're going to find it everywhere. But I would say for the most part, what we've been accustomed to is uh, fostering of new ideas, fostering of opinions, and support uh, from the community of people like uh, Jorge and, and Ross, uh, who um, you know put a lot of time and work into this thing that we all love. And you can only appreciate it. So I thank you guys for having us on. We thank you for the kind words. Again, uh, Jorge has been Jorge talks you guys up all the time, uh, and of course, uh, you know I, I, I've frequented your content as well. Uh, so again, wrestling with respect. Go check them out. They've got uh, they've got a really good product out there for you guys to go check out. So again, want to thank you uh, for joining us. I've realized that I have not given our cheap plug, so I might as well go ahead <laughs> and do that for our show as well. I know Jorge is giving me the stink eye of why haven't you done this yet? So. Uh, This show, the Double Turn Podcast. Of course, we talk wrestling. We do talk a lot of other things because we have a lot of different interests. But we talk wrestling on the show. So it's the Double Turn Podcast, which you can find on all of our different platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, and the Anchor app. You can also find us on our Instagram pages, the Double Turn Podcast. Jorge is slaying the game with his uh, daily, weekly, monthly content. We, of course, like uh, comments, questions, ideas. We love it. We do lots of different things on this show. We look at the present content, the past content, and future ideas in the wrestling community. You can check us out on our Instagram pages. He is the one and only JMan19. I am Ross, the real boss, 85. You can also check me out, Boss Ross TDT. When I decide to live tweet for pay-per-views, all three of you that pay attention, I love you guys, but that is where you can find me on Twitter. You can hit us up anywhere. Ideas, comments, questions, anything at all. We've even put out polls 
to see uh, what you guys uh, want us to talk about on this show because we've got lots of different ideas. Again, the Double Turn Podcast. Jorge, would you like to preview what we're doing next week's, on next week's show? Uh, I would love to preview what we're doing on next week's show. Um, besides the fact of promoting the hell out of this episode, what we're going to go ahead and do is talk about Hell in a Cell. We're going to preview that bad boy. Got a couple of matches already on the horizon. We got, uh, what do we got? We got Jimmy. We got, excuse me, we got Jey Uso versus Roman in an I Quit match inside of Hell in a Cell. How that makes sense is beyond me. You got Drew and you got Randy inside of Hell in a Cell. You got Bailey and Sasha inside of Hell in a Cell. You've got a lot of stuff. Uh, and we're going to preview it all. And we're going to talk about it. And we're going to see whether or not it's going to be worth our while. Will we watch it? Of course we will. Because we're the Double Turn Podcast. And we'll watch anything that's got good wrestling on it. Unless the wrestling sucks and I won't watch it. That being said, that's all I got. And and listen, cheap plug for myself. I turned 31 on Monday. which was So happy birthday in advance to me. That's all I got to say. He, he really did the Rob Van Dam one of a kind thing here on video. He's the real effing show, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need to go that route because that's exactly what Jorge just did. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm very much looking forward to uh, Hell in a Cell. If for nothing else, I demand that Elias is on that show because thank God he's back. I love Elias. I want to walk with Elias. By the way, his shirt on <laughs> WWE.com was like three dollars. I almost bought one. It was hilarious. That being said. <laughs> It's because it was black. I have like 75 black shirts. Can they just make something that isn't black? I'm just saying, we as wrestling fans want more variety in our shirts. That's all I ask. That being said, this has I been a great show. It's been it it is. You, you, you can't see me. The listeners can't because I'm talking to them right now. So they really can't see me. Do, 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 do. That's right. Uh, that being said, hey, before we forget, hold on, no, 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 seriously, hey, shout out to John Cena. Got married over the weekend. Mazel tov to John Cena. This is beautiful stuff. I hope he, I hope he is happy. He did. He got married, and uh, yes, hopefully it lasts longer than anything with Nikki Bella. That being said, <laughs> this has been the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast for the J Man. I'm Boss Ross, and we will catch you on the flip side. <laughs>